Welcome to season six of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xdan. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. Two guarantees that we maintain you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 130 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. Of course, this show is made possible by Powers of Marketing. We focus on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting, and emceeing. And my lovely co-host is Jen Cole. Hi, Jen. Well, hello there, Megan. How are you today? I'm not bad. It's been interesting. So our listeners who listened to the last episode, I said I wasn't sure if we'd have another episode in season six. And I was about to go on vacation. So re-entry into the U.S. <laughs> after being abroad for three weeks, especially after you've had your phone stolen, um, has been a bit of a challenge. Gosh. Also learning that the direction of the job that you started five months ago is going about to change 100% is also a little interesting to return to. So it's been a <laughs> yeah, fascinating week. <laughs> when did Our you actually get going. home? My, my summer's um, going good, but when, how long have you been home now? I got to the U.S. last Friday, but I had to go to San Jose for a family party. So I got home Sunday night nice. and then, you nice. know, back to work Monday morning and yeah, all and that things good stuff. Wild. So. Well, I'm well, glad you have your phone you know. back. That's a hard well, time to like go on vacation and have your phone stolen. That's so terrifying. Yeah. I travel with a backup. That's my lesson, friends. Yeah. Keep an old phone. Update the operating system before you leave your house, though, because it is harder to manage when you haven't. But that's really the only way I Verizon. The only way that you can get a phone again while you're abroad is if you have one that they can activate because they, they won't ship you one. So I learned this. Not my first time. Not my first radio <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a lost or broken phone. So Yay. anyway, let's get to the show. I'm excited. Um, this might be the last episode of, but I think we're going to do one more. We have Meg Coffee coming up next. And I think that she'll either be one of the first few episodes of season seven, lucky number seven, or uh, the last episode of season six. So we'll see how it goes. Our okay. guest today is none other than Amanda Natividad. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was trying to find the, the unmute button. I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, I'm excited to have you here. I got vacation brain. We we set this up right before I left. And then in my vacation brain went like, wait a minute, what did we decide to do the show on? And she had <laughs> totally written out all of this stuff for us that I could just forgot that where it was. So we are professionals here. This is episode 130. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> it's summertime. We actually, you know, used to take July off. So here we are. I'm really excited for our conversation today around modern content marketing. I'm going to read Amanda's bio. Amanda Natividad is VP of Marketing for Audience Research Startup Spark Toro. In her spare time, she writes a marketing newsletter called The Menu with over 10,000 subscribers. Wow. And teaches content marketing 201. She's also a contributor for Adweek, a Le Cordon Bleu trained chef, and a former journalist. Amanda previously led marketing growth for Growth Machine, led marketing for Liftopia, built Fitbit's B2B content program, and led content and communications for NatureBox. Well, is that all? 
I mean, and you're so young. It's amazing all that you've done. So I'm really looking forward um, to this conversation. Jen, why don't you kick us off? All right. So, you know, as mentioned in your bio, you work for SparkToro, which is co-founded by the famous Rand Fishkin. Insights are key to good marketing. We all know that. Uh, so we thought it would be interesting to start off with you briefly telling our listeners about uh, how SparkToro works. Yeah. So SparkToro is, you know, we call ourselves the audience research startup. We help cool. marketers, founders, whoever wants to use our tool, we help them find their audience's sources of influence. So what we don't want to call ourselves, right, is we don't want to call ourselves an influencer tool because that gets people thinking about like, you know, the giant mainstream influencers like you might see on Instagram. But we say sources of influence because it's more inclusive of things like podcasts people listen to or YouTube channels they subscribe to, websites they frequent, things like that that give people the better picture of like the kind of content or communities that their audiences are consuming or are a part of. That's pretty awesome. I know like there's, I hear influencer tool, uh, you know, these days and you're like, okay, but like, that's literally it. Like what, what is your focus? What do you, <laughs> there's so many different ways to go with influencer marketing. Right. 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 So dialing it down and really, and, and then, you know, acknowledging like the different kinds of platforms, because a lot of people are like, they think influencer, they're like, oh, YouTube or TikTok. So mm-hmm. it's great that you like, you know, encompassing many different things for many different people. Right. And and the other thing too is like, if you think about, or when you hear influencer tool, then your brain kind of goes to great. Okay. I'm going to find that person on TikTok, pay them X amount of money. They'll look great content for me, which is like, you can find some influencers like that on through SparkToro, but the way we we look at it more holistically. So it's like, maybe you'll be thinking about, well, I want to find the influential podcasts in my niche of, you know, software product managers right? You could pull up a list of like, you know, a hundred or so podcasts and then start thinking about like, well, maybe I'll do sponsorships or maybe I'll pitch myself as a guest or, you know, maybe I'll just start listening to this podcast and think about other opportunities. Like maybe the host or guest will mention like newsletters that they like, right? So it kind of sends you down this rabbit hole to help you do things like better content marketing, improve some of your performance marketing efforts, right? Because it could give you other clues into other audiences to retarget your ads to kind of sky is the limit here. So yeah. yeah. And it, it sounds like what it really does is, you know, authentically match you up with the right thing. Like the further down you go and further into it, you get, it's pretty amazing. Very cool. All right. That really clears it up. I started to watch the demo video with Rand on your website and I had to click away. So that's very cool. All right. So you coined the phrase zero click content. So initially for me, my head goes to, well, how will they know? How will I know they read my post? Or how will I know they learned about my product if they didn't click through? So I would love for you to share with us, what is zero click content? And then what are the misconceptions that might be out there, which probably includes the one I just named of my own? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, zero click content really, you know, most broadly, right? It refers to the practice that I think some of the best content creators, media people, right, are are doing. And I say content creator in the broadest possible sense. Like for, I feel like the best example, um, at least in my mind, is like the Howard Stern example, right? Like Howard Stern, known for getting celebrities to really tell, to really like kind of get more personal, right? And like talk about more personalized stories. But he does this in in his long form radio show. 
right? He talks to celebrities for like an hour or two or so, but he also posts these standalone clips on YouTube where you're getting like a 90 second, two minute story from a celebrity, right? And then you as a viewer are like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Oh, but now I got to subscribe to Sirius to get the full radio show, right? So you're getting that standalone value of the quick YouTube clip, but there's more in the longer form post. And so the idea with zero click content is that it's essentially standalone value for the consumer, for the reader, the viewer, whoever it is, where clicking to learn more or clicking to read more is additive to the experience. It enhances your overall understanding versus being required right? It being Um, required would be like, hey, I have a new blog post on audience research. Come go read it. Click here, right? Like like, Download this white paper and give me your email. Totally, (laughs) right. In in those cases, like the reader doesn't really know, like they know theoretically what they're getting, but they haven't gotten any of the value from that initial teaser. So I might just kind of pause there and say like, that's what zero click content is. And, or even just, that's what some of the most successful creators, marketers have been doing, right? Like providing standalone value on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and maybe now on threads where clicking to go to the website, the blog post, whatever it is, is additive. It's not really expected. Like it's not really like, sure. It's the ultimate end goal of the person of the person publishing, but it's not the initial milestone or first goal with each post that they create. Right. Yeah. I saw you post something with the link was in the first comment. So you gave value and then it was like, well, here's the rest or here's whatever. Yeah. And I would I would argue that, I mean, podcasts are zero click content, right? Like you just get value. Like we're not charging for the show. You can just listen to it. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we share, although when we share it on Twitter, I guess you do have to click to hear it, but that, and that's how we initially get people Mm -hmm. and podcasts are kind of a different animal, right? Like we get very little insight into who's listening and all that kind of good stuff. Right. Totally. But what you could do, right, is like take some insights you learn from an episode, post those as standalone tweets, Yeah, you know, as they gain traction, you could be like, oh, by the way, we expanded on this idea on episode 130 of our show. Like, go check it out. Yeah. If this was our full-time job, we would do so much a better job no. <laughs> of repurposing our content. There's so much amazing evergreen value in all the shows that we've done. And we talk all the time about repurposing it. But yeah, yeah. there's only so many oh, hours in and, a day. <laughs> and I, I also want to address the other part of your question yeah. on misconceptions yeah. Yeah. about zero-click content, right? So the main misconception is when I talk about zero-click content, like give standalone value, like give the punchline of your blog post or your big idea, summarize into a couple bullet points and post it on LinkedIn. Sometimes the reflexive answer people will say is like, but I want people to click on my website. Like, why would I give away all the value? Like, but don't I want to eventually drive traffic? Like, yes, of course, (laughs) that's the ultimate goal. So when I say zero click content, I'm not saying never link out, right? I'm I'm not saying never, never send people to your website. What I'm saying is Don't be afraid to give that upfront value for free and trusting that audiences will eventually click through. Because the big thing is like, as people are scrolling through social media, right? Or even just like reading emails or their email newsletter in their inbox, they're not really trying to leave, right? They're trying to like consume the feed as it is. And so if they get that standalone value from your post where they're like, oh, that's a really interesting way to look at marketing. I need to click on this, right? Or they'll save the post and they'll go like, okay, I'll bookmark this for later. 
and I'll, I'll go read it later. Like in this age of like really saturated content, we can't really just trust that we can tease a piece of content and people will go to it. Like people, like readers, consumers are so much smarter these days. Like we all know the tricks, right? So right. you're more yeah. likely to gain trust and credibility by giving away the value and trusting that people will click through. And over time, they will. And other things you can do, right, are you could do a set of standalone posts that have no links at all, right? Where it's like, here's a marketing tip, do this. Or like, you know, think about for better copywriting, make sure you use active voice instead of passive voice, yeah. like standalone advice. And then eventually, you know, after several posts that gain some traction, you can maybe then go like, by the way, we actually have an ebook on copywriting, like click here to download it. Because at that point, you've kind of built up enough goodwill with your audience where they kind of understand like, oh, okay, this account, like they're posting yeah. copywriting tips. Like, all right, yeah. fair game. I get that they're going to have an ebook. And it just becomes clear to the reader, to the scroller, you know, going through. Yeah. I think that this is a harder thing to convince some leaders that a long play has value. Yeah. But I put on right there with you. This It's awesome. Which is a it, fair point. So I think I'd add to that too is... When you think about how you gauge overall engagement or success of a social media channel, one thing you inevitably have to look at is impressions. And so if you're posting, right. if you're constantly just posting links, the social media algorithms don't like that. They penalize your post. You're just not going to get as much reach. You're going to kill your own impressions. So the case you can make to senior leadership is, all right, ultimately, social media is a top of funnel play. And when you're at a top of funnel channel, something, something, you know, one of other things, one thing you have to optimize for is impressions. And if we're constantly just blasting links and like teasers, we're just going to kill ourselves in this algorithm. But if we're posting valuable content that people can consume just bite-sized pieces of or get that discrete value from just by scrolling through, we're going to increase our impressions and then over time, ultimately drive more traffic to our site or increase conversions from those impressions. And yeah. 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 Cause then you're like starting to look at like what people are doing on your website, how many times, how much time they're spending on your website. And like, if they're going there with an actual purpose, because they've been waiting, you know, waiting and waiting for holding up interest and then like, Oh yes, I'm going to actually go freaking spend some time on this. Like I've experienced that with like, like I see it all the time on TikTok, you know, for example, when, you know, of course I'm shopping for certain things right now. And so when my favorite creators are like, oh, go visit my Amazon storefront to see, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then they're getting commissions off of anything that I might buy off of their list or whatever. Like it's, they're delivering value and demonstrating like these certain things. And they're saying, go see my Amazon storefront, you know, if you want more, you know, the whole thing. Like, it's really cool. Yeah, you know, I haven't even thought about that. But it is such an updated way. It's a strategy that, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have never even thought of. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I've never even like, you see it so often, but then there, there actually is a strategy behind it. And I love that we're calling out and talking about that today, because that's not something that we've ever talked about before. And kind of going along with that, you know, the term creator economy has been used for several years now. In fact, it was our theme this year at Social Media Day, Wichita, which we just had like a month ago, and we had a lot of great speakers, we learned a lot of stuff, but there's so much content out there right now. 
I often feel like, you know, I consume so much daily content that we were scrolling through Netflix the other night and Tim was like, hey, we've watched this movie. I'm like, have we? Because I don't remember. We're consuming so much content that I can't remember what I've seen and what I haven't seen. Do you think that we've reached a saturation point? Maybe yes and maybe no. I feel like every day there's more content on the internet than there ever was before. <laughs> right. right? Every day Literally. there's more content. <laughs> but I think where I'm optimistic about the creator economy or even just like, is there space for me, the person listening, right? Like, yeah. I, I think there, I always think there is because I always think there is value in being the refreshing new presence to someone new, to someone yeah. else, right? Like yeah. being the disruptor who comes in with a unique perspective, saying something maybe in a certain way that nobody has said yet. You know, yes. and I, I feel like there's yeah. always space for those kinds of people. Like show host and creator Jay Akunzo, he talks about this notion of when you're, you know, when you're a creator, show host, writer, whoever you are, don't, it's not enough to say like, I want to be different. Like that's not really specific enough. It's think about how you can be refreshing. Like who can you be refreshing to? How yeah. is your voice refreshing? And I really love that perspective because it makes you think about things like novelty right how you can say something a little bit differently the tone that you might use to that you might use to write with or speak with and yeah. i think there's a lot of there's a lot to think about there and i think like there's always going to be room for refreshing new perspectives yeah, I agree for sure. Like I was just explaining this to somebody the other night here at Wichita. Like they got some refreshing ideas from Social Media Day Wichita. And she's like, oh my gosh, I could go off to do this, create my own YouTube series, but I'm so scared to do it. I go, yeah, you could. And you know what? It's exactly what you just said. She's going to have different perspectives, refreshing perspectives to a different audience. Okay, so I, Amanda, have been following you on the Bird app for a while. And then something you posted right before my vacation is what sparked the thought to have you on. So, of course, the world then shifted like a week later with threads coming to life and then X. And we can talk a little bit about that too, whatever. I mean, this X thing, I just refuse. It'll always be Twitter to me. I don't know what they're doing. But you mentioned focusing on point of view focused content. What is that? Yeah. So point of view focused content. I think it's a great opportunity for especially highly competitive niches or industries in which like there's already been a ton of, you know, SEO content created for it. And so therefore, like what's the differentiator? The differentiator could be your point of view. So I think this is really effective for like agencies and consultants, right? Like a marketing agency is like kind of all the same, Right. But everybody yeah. might have like each agency right, might have their own approach to work, maybe the way their workflow is, the way that they create content or whatever it is that, they, that the agency does. So there's that. And it also works really well if a primary driver of your traffic or your discoverability is through a marketplace, kind of like Yelp, for instance. And so one thing I was thinking of is like, this is also really good for small businesses especially local small businesses. Like if you're on Yelp or or even just like Google, Google, right? Where you're looking for like a tailor near you or like a meal delivery service near you. Like you would be thinking about like, well, I know all tailors are kind of the same, but like, how is this one different, right? And then 
it doesn't have to be a blog post. Like here's our philosophy on tailoring, (laughs) but it could be the information you put on your website. So like a tail, stick with a tailor example, right? It could be things like including information on your website. Like you can drop off your clothes anytime. If you drop it off on Monday before noon, you can probably get them back by Friday. Anytime after that, the wait time is two weeks, right? Like things like that, that like indicate what the buying experience is like, the way your point of view is with regards to your work, right? That helps somebody make a decision, right? In this, you know, landscape of there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition, a lot of similar types of businesses. You as a customer might have like very specific needs that you're like, well, I absolutely need this thing to get done in five days or less. Right. And if maybe or there's, there's that, maybe if you're a tailor who can guarantee the work gets done in less than five days, that's what you lead with. Right. So this kind of content, I also just say it in the broadest sense of like, it doesn't have to be a blog post. It's really just content or information that you put on your website that helps people make a better, that helps people make an informed decision about why or why not they should choose you. Right. Well, yeah. And I think that's a good point to like, you know, there's a, there's a guy in that social media space who he's from a plumbing company, like, but he's like well known because of his presence on social media. So I'm sure like when picking a plumber, like why wouldn't he be top of mind for you? So you can show your personality in, like you say, like in short form without having a necessarily write blog posts to try to drive traffic. But I also was thinking about this in terms of, because I really love that example, but what about B2B? Like I work our, I thinking about ways to market to you know, prospective customers in, in a way that stands out using point of view marketing. I was trying to think of to do that. Yeah. I do think well, it's you, easier you could, with small. Yeah. I mean, you could think about like the different personas or like different customer segments that you serve and how your offering might differ for them or how your solution might differ for the problems that they, that they apply them to. Right. So like, like the needs of an agency are going to be different from an in-house marketer. Right. And at SparkTorto, we think about this all the time. Like for our product, you know, we B2B, it's we're essentially just a B2B SaaS company. But we yeah. think about like, well, you know, things that agent our agency customers need are they're gonna need more seats for the account. They probably need tools to create lists, like things to manage a huge pile of data. Whereas an in-house brand, they're probably not thinking about seats because it's probably like one or two marketers on the team who are using our tool. So what they might be thinking about is different use cases. So while an agency customer might benefit from content that's like, here's how to manage all kinds of audience research data across your huge team, right? An in-house marketer might be thinking about like, well, okay, how do I use SparkToro to inform my media pitches? How do I use it for performance marketing? How do I use it to do better content marketing? So it becomes specific by here's our point of view on this for each specific use case, or here's our point of view based on volume, right? So thinking about all the different kinds of pain points your customer would have, and then creating content for each of those needs. Oh, super smart. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at this with my boss, definitely, because there's these certain approaches that the company has never taken. Like even a, even using a consumer perspective within B2B, 
as a reason to use the tool or the product is something to consider. All right. Very cool. Excellent. Okay. So it is brain break time and we like to take a little break to like give our brains a little, give us a little something more soft to chew on. So my question for the crew today is what's the best thing about summer so far for you? And I'll let Jen go first since she saw it before Amanda. Well, you know, for our household, I always like to do it. I feel like I do it by our household many times. But for our household this year, it's all four of us. There's Tim and there's my two boys. And we've all, it's so funny, for the first time ever, for the first time ever, the four of us have kind of gone like in our own identifying ways. Like I have a partnership right now with Music Theater Wichita. Tim has a partnership with Visit Wichita right now. My son, my younger son has been very active in performance arts this summer. And then my oldest son started his very first new job this summer. And so we've all just been kind of getting into our own groove, sharing experiences with we can, but kind of it's fun to see the different identities. Like we've lived together, the four of us for what, maybe two, two, oh, right at two years now, but we're finally, and the boys are now old enough to start falling into their groove and stuff like that. It's just kind of a cool dynamic that everyone's got their own space, but we can all come back together and be a family. Awesome. I love that. Very good. Amanda, what about you? That's so nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's a toss up between fruit and flowers. So on flowers, like flowers were all in bloom. Just, you know, like beautiful. I I just bought these. These were $4 at the grocery because Gerbers. Gerbers for those listening at home. (laughs) Gerber daisies. Bright orange, beautiful. There's like a dozen of them. They were only $4. But that, like just the abundance of flowers that are on sale. And where it's extra nice is it's it's where I live. It's way too hot to be outside. So it's nice to just bring in a piece of nature to have in your home. And then fruit. I I love summer fruit. It's the best. Strawberries are their sweetest and juiciest. All the stone fruit, delicious, juicy, and also cheap. Like I, I bought like three pounds of cherries at the store today for $3. Like I've never oh, wow. seen that so cheap. Cherries are always $8 where I live. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but I love them. I mean, and in the fall and winter, all you really have are like, the usual like bananas and apples. And I just made it a policy for myself to whenever I go to the grocery in the summer is to just overbuy fruit because we're not going to get nectarines and peaches and rain your cherries again until next year. So <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. oh, so smart. Well, and being in California, we're a little more fortunate than than other areas, though. I think I yeah. love that. I, mean, I think we get strawberries year round where they might not um, elsewhere and that kind of thing. But I'm I'm with yeah. you on that. Yeah, I couldn't remember the last time I had a fresh cherry, and then when I was on my trip recently, they were selling cherries everywhere, and I was like, "Ooh, awesome!" Yeah. So on that, my it's funny. It, my it's like they say, like, "What's a rose and what's a thorn?" Like for me, this mine is both. I love Croatia and I've been going since the first time I went in 2011. This was my sixth time going to Croatia. And this time I got to introduce Croatia to a huge group of people like uh well, at, at peak, there were 20 of us, but for the most of the time, it was 14 or 12 to 16 of us. And the thorn was that I was managing accommodations for almost all of these people, um, which oh, became, gosh. which ended up being like a little bit, um, I mean, I knew going in that it was not going to be like 
piece of cake. But anyway, but it was funny because I said we got to the city. I, I lived in Zadar for eight weeks. I'm in the fall of 2020 or for seven weeks. And I said to everyone, like, do you get it now? Do you get it? And everyone's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I understand why you have this love for this country because people ask me that all the time. Why Croatia? And I'm like, why not Croatia? <laughs> have you seen it? Like, it's incredible. <laughs> like, and the coastal drive to, from Split to Dubrovnik is something that almost everyone said it's the one of the best coastal experiences that they've ever had. It, it battles California, even Big Sur. So anyway, so just throwing that out there, if you're considering going to uh, uh, Croatia was the number one visiting spot for Americans this summer, too, which is not at all surprising. So apparently word is out, but I'm not responsible for sharing it. But yeah, I loved it. Just felt like going home. It was really lovely to be there again. But we did Croatia like I don't normally, which was we went nonstop. We were on the water every day or ATVing or whatever, which was awesome. But also, you know, when you need a vacation from your vacation, it's it's kind of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which Americans are notorious for. (laughs) But uh, but anyway, all right, let's kick off the second half, Jen. All right, let's go. So we're going to go back and revisit uh, zero click marketing. I find it so fascinating and so relevant. With this form of marketing, it seems that it's important to grab attention you know, right at the get-go. So what are some examples of ways that creators and brands can make this work to their advantage in different ways, like from blog content down to like TikTok or Reels or, you know, anything like that? Yeah. So what you can, there are a couple of frameworks that I like for this. One of them is summarizing the idea, right? So whether it's a blog post or a longer form video, it's summarizing the key takeaways into a post, right? Where it's like, here's how to do this. One, two, three, boom. And then, of course, the video, the podcast, or the blog post will have the full context for how that gets done. So that's one. Another framework I like is if you have like a listicle, right? Again, whether the listicle is in video format or blog post format, like 10 ways to do X or like 10 tactics for Y, honing in on one of those and giving the detail on it. Like maybe it's here's what you need to do you know, to create a better marketing strategy or like 10 tips for better marketing strategy and then really diving deep into one of them on your social media post and making sure that it's like thorough and like well-reasoned enough where the person reading it is going to go, wow, they really know what they're talking about. I got to read the full post or I got to go to the full video or even just, you know, applying it video to video. Like if you're doing like a TikTok derived from a longer YouTube video, then it's like taking a key moment from that video and being like, you're going to instantly increase your open rates. Do this one thing. Oh, by the way, I got more advice in this longer video with like 10 more pieces of advice. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. You see that so often or, you know, uh, click on, click and subscribe, go find part two or, you know, all of those things. Like it's it's so common, but it's like not even like, I've seen it so often, but like I said before, like I never even thought of it as a formal strategy, but that's the beauty of, you know, the, like what is modern content marketing now. It's so cool to have like kind of an actual name and like acknowledgement of it because it's a real thing and it's only going to get more and more common. Awesome. And I think it's a great way to really demonstrate your own thought leadership as either a creator or a brand as well. And like we said before, everyone's always got their own spin to put on things and their own perspective, which is refreshing. So I love that. I'm excited. We can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can. Okay. So it's easy to get distracted 
in marketing, we tend to put our focus on the latest shiny new thing <clears throat> threads. <laughs> For me, as a longtime marketer, I find myself puzzled by all the new ways that we phrase things and what we call things that are really the same thing as what we were doing before, but just with like a different name or a different title. Like I, we had a show I did with a woman named Rachel Bruce recently where I was like, what? okay, we've got growth marketing, we've got like ABM, we've got all these things. And it, it's like, okay, what is it really? It's really just all like integrated marketing. It's, you know, call it whatever you want. Anyway, so I guess the point I'm getting to is that the foundations of marketing are still super important. So Amanda, what are your thoughts on marketers like going back to basics? I mean, I'm all about it, right? Like, you know what? Over this past year, all of us have been jerked around with <laughs> the new, the hot new text-based platform, right? Like oh, when yeah. Twitter, now X, whatever it is, it like, you know, under the new ownership, like people not everybody, but a lot of people, right, have been like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Like, where should I go next? Like, should I, where should I focus more and more of my marketing efforts? Is Twitter now at Blue Sky? Um, I've been like trying new platforms, like what, like Hive, Mastodon. I, I haven't been on all of these, only Same. some of these, yeah, no. right? So like, <laughs> there's, there's more or like even just more social channels where it's really hard not to chase the new shiny thing and feel like, oh, I have to be here. I have to have a strategy here. And, you know, these days, the new platform seems to be threads, right? So, yeah, right. I mean, I think it's a good idea probably for any marketer for most of these for most of these channels to just go in and like claim your handle and like, that's that. Mm -hmm. Don't need to have a strategy on it. But I do think it means like more than ever, we should have a stronger sense of the foundations, like go back to basics, like the things that are always going to be important are like, you're always going to need to be a good copywriter. You're always going to need to understand your audience, understand your customers needs. You'll always need to understand how to, you know, track ROI on your marketing efforts. Like all those things are going to be going to be important. And yeah. so it's best to just to focus on those things and getting good at those things or staying good at those things rather than just chasing the new trend or, you know, trying to glom on to the next TikTok meme. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, we're obviously way past the point of like, do you need to be on social media or not? But yeah, but how to, it's more nuanced to like keep the foundational practices within what you're doing in those spaces. And, and then, and then, yeah, like just like focusing, it's better as we all know, right, to be really great in fewer spaces than to spread yourself too thin and then not be not be excellent in in any of them <laughs> um right especially when it comes to engagement you know you're not just not spraying out content actually being able to engage with people there's only so much we can do right For sure. so all right i like that yeah um everyone needs to be a good writer and if you think in, it's not important in social media you're kidding yourself because i it's even more important to be concise yeah. and to catch attention i think on social than than even in other places i agree yeah from the first word on i mean this is the digital front line of your brand is you know whatever you're doing on social media it's everyone's first impression so okay so we we've, we've talked about a lot of different things today um so 
And we've talked about some different platforms too. Like what's that going to turn into? And then threads, the same thing. What's that going to turn into? But you know, as we can, as we as marketers and brands and creators, we continue to grow and adapt to all of these new different marketing platforms. What are some things to keep in mind when A, you're developing your strategy, but B, deciding where your personal brand or your brand need to be? socially. Yeah. I mean, I think the best place is really just at the intersection of where your target audience is and where you actually want to spend your time. Right. Hey, like I love that. Where do you want where do you want to spend your time? Right. That's, yeah. Right? Like, like your target audience, let's say they're on, you know, let's say they're on TikTok, uh-huh. but you hate, hate, hate being on video. You're you're the only person creating content. Like, I mean, you could push through and just try to like make it happen. Mm -hmm. But I think where I would push back on that is just if you're absolutely hating it and you're not, and it's, you know, like maybe you're not good at it. You don't like it. It's not fun for you. Like you'll burn out really quickly and then you're not going to get good business results anyway. So it's like, if you can connect with the platform, like if you like it and your audience is there, that's perfect. Like that's really the holy grail, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, because if you're not comfortable being there, it's, it's definitely going to shine through in your presence or lack thereof, you know, because people that don't enjoy something tend to also lack consistency and energy levels that are motivating. So I love that. I think that that's, man, you really drove that home. That's a really great point that I don't think enough people consider when they're like, hey, we need to be here, you know, knee-jerk reaction. Hey, we need to be here. Hey, why isn't our brand on TikTok? Um, Because your brand probably isn't a great fit for it or it's not your brand. It's, hey, we don't have, you know, the person here to really make TikTok successful for, you know, or whatever platform it is. I use TikTok because it's very common in the agency that I work for, for (laughs) brands to not be a good fit for TikTok. So yeah, we don't do any TikTok right now. You mean you don't have pilots just itching to create videos for you? (laughs) They're in the the aviation space. Yeah, we do. Aviation marketing is fun because like when I'm scrolling TikTok and Reels for our agency and some of the brands, there are some, you know, there are some cabin attendants and there are some pilots and there's a lot of really great air, you know, aviation content out there. But it's also one, again, do you have the capacity who's doing the content creation and, uh, you know, is it matching our brand vibe? and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, a lot of our stuff is very corporate. So getting creative and having the people that are talented in that kind of content creation is a big piece of it. Just like she said. Yeah. All right, friends, we are nearing the end and want to be mindful of your time, Amanda, and of our listeners. So we have one final question that we like to ask every guest, and that is, what is a business book that you would recommend to our friends out there? Yeah, so I, I know I'm biased, but it has to be Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. It's nice. truly a terrific book. He shares all the like ups and downs of having built Moz from its very early days until about like 2017, 2018. I think he published the book in 2018. But it's it's a terrific book about like entrepreneurship, being a founder. He talks about like how to think through funding or the VC world, talks about how to think through selling your company. And, you know, it's great to read cover to cover, of course, but what's also really good about it is even back then, Rand knew the value of zero-click content in the sense Mm -hmm. that each chapter can be read as standalone. Like if you just wanted to read a chapter on like people management, there's a whole chapter on that. And it's also, it's told through one, through data and research or like 
You know, mm-hmm. it's not just about him and his experience at Moz, but it's also like through the lens of his experience at Moz. So you're going to get a nice mix of like storytelling, um, hard won lessons, painful lessons learned, and also actual research that backs things up. So it's a terrific read. I recommend it to any aspiring entrepreneur, any founder, and anybody who wants to be an employee at a startup. Okay. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. When I, I was doing the math, because I was like checking out his LinkedIn earlier and I was like 22. He was 22 when he started that company. Oh, That's just yeah, what crazy. he's done is, is amazing. So lucky you to get to work for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Amanda. We really appreciate all of your insights today. It, I always know it's a really good show when Jen can't stop saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm so and, like, throughout, throughout the show. <laughs> she's not just a co-host. She's like a listener as well. So Miss Jen, thank you. Okay, friends, this has been episode 130 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time. Bye.